You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. A Q1 Network production. I think it was my mom that really piqued my interest and curiosity in films, movies, theater, performance, singing, musicals, all of that. My mom was really talented, and she watched a lot of movies. And as as far back as I can remember, maybe going back to The King and I with Yul Brenner, who I still think is the coolest-looking guy that ever walked the planet, I, I remember sitting with my mom watching these big productions, and I just got sucked into them. So I have been a fan of you know, performance and all the things that are attached to it that make it such a wonderful, wonderful body of work. And I just have always admired creative people. I've had a couple of folks on that have been involved in uh, movies and theaters and playwrights, all that kind of things. And today I'm just tickled because he's got such a unique story about his life, his walk, and he's doing it in North Dakota, of all places, by the way. He's an actor. He's the chair of the Dramatic Arts at the University of Mary. Uh, He's a producer. He he does it all. He wears so many hats. We'll get into that. Maybe the most important hats is he's a loving husband and a father of five just beautiful children. And that's Daniel Belinsky. Daniel, welcome to Mike's Seminary and Friends. Uh, Thank you for taking time to join me. It's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm really excited to have our conversation today. Me too. When we had coffee and you shared with me your background, I'll, I'll tee it up a little bit and then you take it from there because part of your story was still so intriguing to me is here's a guy that studied at Columbia University, received his master's, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, at Columbia. Yeah. And you just couldn't wait to get to North Dakota because you thought this was going to be the filmmaking mecca and everybody supported your decision. So, <laughs> so how did you end up coming to North Dakota in 2015, uh, 2015 Daniel? Uh, yeah, so I had uh, graduated from Columbia and I was just working as an actor uh, in, in New York City um, and doing plenty of little odd jobs to supplement income and all that. Uh, my wife... Uh, was living with me and we had uh, our second child um, in 2014, I think it was. And so when the University of Mary in Bismarck reached out to me and asked if I was interested in applying for the job to direct the theater program at the University of Mary, I was um, I was interested. I was tired of schlepping kids up and down subways and you know, New York City is a hard place to raise, to raise kids, I think, object- objectively so. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. My wife, wife grew up in the Midwest. And so uh, it seemed like a good opportunity to come back um, to a place that felt a little bit more like home. And um, they did. And uh, it's been wonderful for me and for my family since since moving back. A really great community of friends for my wife and my, my kids. Um, we homeschool our kids. Great community for them. And uh, a lot of uh, really unique professional opportunities for me uh, as well as an artist since I moved to North Dakota, which you might not have uh, anticipated. 
but uh, I think which have just been dropped in my lap, and I'm fortunate to, to have them. Well, we're so lucky to have you here. By the way, I'll say this a couple times. Uh, one of the ways you can learn a lot about Daniel, what he's doing, is go to Canticle Productions. I'll spell that later, canticleproductions.com. You can learn a lot about him and, and then review the body, not not 100% inclusive, but the body of his work, which is just really amazing. We met two months ago, whatever it was, at the film festival, and I just couldn't get over to you fast enough to introduce myself and ask you if you'd join me because I, I, I was so just absolutely intrigued with your presentation and what you shared that, that evening. Here's my first question about the big picture. And, and sometimes I just jump right in, by the way, right. about the big picture. Yeah. And this, I'm going to say this after watching A Heart Like Water. It was a stunning movie. Thank you. The big picture. Is North Dakota almost the perfect place right now for you to be t taking your work to a, a level that we'll talk about here in a minute? Is it almost the perfect place for you to be right now? I feel that. Uh, I think I've had opportunities being in North Dakota that I certainly wouldn't have had. Uh, being in New York City, and there's a, a hunger here for these kinds of stories uh, that doesn't exist elsewhere as well. I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for uh, being a, a larger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. Um, and there, there is not a lot of uh, filmmaking infrastructure here in North Dakota, and so in in one way that's uh, a challenge, but in another way, it's an opportunity. And uh, people have been very receptive um, and very supportive of what I've been doing since um, since I started writing and producing work here. And, uh, as far as North Dakota just being a canvas to, to paint on, it's it it is a really uh, amazing canvas to have. There is so many amazing North Dakota stories to be told. Um, and stories that speak really deeply to me and who I am. I think North Dakota values align with my own personal values, and um, there's a, there's an opportunity to to make projects that are not only uh, gripping and interesting for for audiences, but very personally meaningful to me. And um, that's uh, that's a real gift to have. One of the things I noticed, and at any time when I mention Canticle Productions, I want you to expound if you a little bit, if you will. Sure. One of the things I noticed on the website was the. I want I, I, be careful. I say this is similar similarity to masterful storytelling, very similar to Dances with Wolves, uh, and what I what I mean by that is. When we, as consumers of this wonderful work, when we have the opportunity to watch a story be told in front of us about hardship, relationships, you know, the struggle for just survival sometimes, um, dealing with some of the most incredible, natural, harsh elements at times, 
those are gripping kind of stories that just suck you right in. Mm-hmm. And your your stories do that, Daniel. They're absolute masterpieces. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. That's kind of you to say. Um, yeah, A Heart Like Water is definitely the most uh, personal film that I've made. You know, it's it's about uh, it, it is about the hardship that these early pioneers faced uh, in making a new home on Dakota Prairie, but um, it's also I think uh, it, it's something that's that'll speak to anybody who's a parent, and especially anyone who's lost children. Death was so much a part of life for these early pioneers, and um, children were hope. Children were the future. There is this great quote that I found in some of the research that I did for that movie in particular, A Heart Like Water. Uh, it was a, a Black Sea German proverb. Uh, for the first generation, there is death. For the second generation, there is want. Only for the third generation, there is bread. Hmm. idea that these people did not come here to Dakota for their own happiness and for their own fulfillment, but to make opportunities for their children and for their grandchildren. And if their children and grandchildren could achieve uh, success and happiness in their lives, then that was success. I think that puts things um, in perspective. I think we live in a culture, especially today, where it's just like immediate gratification. <laughs> Everything is just at our fingertips, um, you know, all the time. And and that's a it's a wonderful blessing. Um, but it's so unheard of in the history of the world, right? I mean, people have been walking the earth for thousands of years, and and now uh, the world is so different. And I, I think. Just 120 years ago, people were living the way that we depicted them in uh, in the movie, and that's just a blink of an eye in the history of the world. Um, and it's it's really, I think, humbling and and um, eye opening to look back and say, 120 years ago, you know, my grandfather, my great grandfather, you know, came here uh, and um, endured this hardship so that I could have the life that I have today. Um, that's why I think telling these stories is really uh, worthwhile. Number one, just to like remind us of where we came from and who we have to be grateful for, for the strength and the hardiness of these people and the, the, the faith and the hope that they brought. Um, but then um, also I think there's just lessons to be learned just directly for our lives because, you know, um, the the hardship of of raising children and losing children that's not something that goes away that's something that will always be a part of life um and um is therefore i think relevant to to our lives today i have a lot of friends um and we ourselves my wife and i we've lost um we've lost a child and um it's 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 a very very hard thing to do um mm. yeah and it happened in great number back back during those times where the elements were, when it wasn't beautiful, it was sometimes brutal. Barely a tree in the to block the wind on the prairie. So if if it was dry, you had dust everywhere. If it was winter, you had snow everywhere. If it was cold, it was really hard to stay warm. So it was brutal. By the way, at canticleproductions.com, I don't know if this is a mission statement or philosophy or the goal, but it's 
you, you'll find creating powerful film, theater, and TV that honors the land, history, and people of North Dakota. I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, there are plenty of people that have come from North Dakota that are now elsewhere. So this story is really irrelevant whether you live in North Dakota currently or not. Second, North Dakota is a critically important state for a lot of reasons, kind of the breadbasket provider of the world. You, you might want to know a little bit more about, and I don't mean that to be kind of a smart out statement, a little bit more about how challenging it was to live and, and be some of the earliest settlers and pioneers. It was really difficult. And yeah. that film, that movie, it does a beautiful job, A Heart Like Water. How can people find A Heart Like Water, Daniel, and watch it? Well, they can go to the website, which is aheartlikewater.com, and then there's a link there to take it to the streaming platform. That's probably the easiest way. You can also go to the website, which is actually uh, canticle-productions.com. Uh, the dash is <laughs> important there. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. So either through the canticle-productions.com or through aheartlikewater.com. Those are the easiest ways. Out of curiosity, that was filmed, some of it during COVID, am I correct? Yes, we filmed, well, we filmed the winter section. We filmed it both in winter and summer. In the winter, we filmed in December 2019, which was right, but, you know, a few months before the pandemic. Hit. And then we filmed, yes, um, the summer of 2020. Um, so we were fortunate to be able to do filming because film productions were shutting down all over the place, as everybody knows. But um, we were able to take the precautions that we needed and uh, were able to uh get what we needed um, that summer, which was, uh, yeah, a blessing. Interesting, because you're in a, you're in a profession and a, a career where a lot of this work isn't done in a state like North Dakota. A fair amount of producing and filming is done in states where they probably look at COVID and how to handle it a little differently than we did at the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of work couldn't be done. It just couldn't be done because it was they, they were honoring the way they felt best to handle the conditions. And so you were fortunate, really, to be in North Dakota while still taking the pre precautions yeah. necessary to do the work. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we were able to shoot with a very small crew and we were outdoors. Um, and uh, we certainly did take a lot of uh precautions that were typical in the in the industry so everybody did feel um confident there were a couple of people coming from out of state as well and um our our goal was to make something that was uh, you know, to tell a beautiful story but to do it in a way that everybody felt comfortable being on set uh, and safe so yeah we um we, we were fortunate to be able to make it for sure it's a beautiful piece of work and i'm going to tell you just go to the website and watch it i'm not going to say anymore because i don't want to uh, steal any of the thunder of what you witnessed personally. Another question with regards to what you do away from University of Mary. Yeah. I, when I, after our conversation, and when I look at your approach to your profession in your career, you're really a 
perfect example of what an entrepreneur is. You're literally creating something. You wear many hats. You have to find talent to be involved in certain parts of it at certain times. And then you have to be you have you you have to be the pitch guy in in terms of you have to raise the money whether you're an IT company or a production company what's your day like as you have all those different hats that you wear and these balls that you juggle yeah well uh summer is nice uh, because i i do get 4 months off from the university of mary uh, so it's nice to have that freedom um but typically i spend the mornings uh homeschooling my kids with my wife and then the afternoons i'm uh, I'm working and it could be like this week, for instance, I'll be doing a lot of writing. Um, and then, um, I'm also, uh, putting together pitch decks and I'm putting together sales projections and numbers. And I have, you know, collaborators, um, that are really, uh, across the country, um, helping to, to put together, uh, the business plans for all these films that are uh, happening or, or slated to happen soon. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it kind of varies based on uh, what stage of the process the, the films are in. You know, right now we've got uh, we've got two films. We got one film released, A Heart Like Water. So that's that's out there now. And we've got two other films in post-production. So um, I'm reviewing edits for that. Um, and then we'll be going into sound and scoring and color uh, for those soon. But then um, also I, I have one that I just wrote about uh, the story of Hazel Minor, and that's going to be uh, ready to start getting uh, getting in front of investors soon. Um, I have uh, another uh, project that I'm working on right now that I'm going to be writing this week and next week. Um, so it's kind of, you know, like the business and the creative are all very much layered. And it is like, like you say, um, you know, I've got to, I've got to wear many hats. Um, and in the end, the kind of people are, are going to be looking to me if things go right and also if they go wrong. Um, so it's a, it's a responsibility in that way, but I've found a lot of really great people who can do things that I can't do and have become really valuable members of the team as well. And very much appreciated. I'm going to come back to this search for partners and talent after I ask you this question. Okay. And maybe it, maybe it's not so much a question. For those folks that are not familiar with Hazel Minor, you might want to tee that up just a little, because that is a remarkable story about a remarkable young woman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hazel Minor is um, a story of a, of a 16-year-old farm girl in Center, North Dakota, um, who in uh, in March of 1920 was on her way home from school with her siblings, her two younger siblings, and they got stranded in a, a whiteout blizzard, just a freak blizzard that happened in uh, in March. And uh, winds were 60 miles an hour. It was completely uh, a completely blinding snowstorm, and they were trapped there um, in an overturned sleigh for uh, 25 hours, and she kept them alive uh, through those brutal conditions. Um, 
not because of uh, not because she was a uh, because of any special skills that she had, but just through the love that she had for her her siblings and doing simple things to keep them awake and to keep them from losing hope, and in the end, giving her life that uh, her her siblings might live. She ended up taking her coat off and putting them over them and laying on top of them to pin the the coat and the blankets down on them. Um, and so uh, it's just a very beautiful and in a lot of ways simple story. I call it Cinderella in a Snowstorm. That's how I pitch mm-hmm. it to people. Um, this very quiet um, and simple, loving farm girl who lays down her life for her siblings and didn't have ambitions to... Uh, make a make a huge epic tale of it, but just the simplicity and the beauty of of the sacrifice uh, just really spoke to me as a as a person as a as a parent too. Um, I wrote it for three days during a freak blizzard that we had in North Dakota in April, <laughs> just like a month ago. Um, God sent a, a three day blizzard, I think, just for me. Um, and, uh, I wrote it over the course of those three days. I was sitting in my bedroom, just sobbing as I was (laughs) typing on the keyboard. My children would come into the room and they'd say, what's wrong with daddy? And I'd say, be quiet. Daddy is killing children in a snowstorm right now. (laughs) Sobbing my eyes out. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful story. And, um, it's gotten some, I've sent it out. It's gotten some very good industry feedback too. I think just because there's something that's so, there's something at the heart of it. That's just so beautiful and human. And I think it, it embodies a lot of what Cantable Productions is all about. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited and, um, uh, you know, thrilled to be able to tell this story. Well, at my age, I, I don't know if I should, chuckle when I hear the word freak blizzard and just say, well, actually, they're not that freakish if you've been around long enough. They can happen in August. They can happen in May. They can, they, happen, they happen, right? Mm-hmm. And they give us opportunities to do things that uh, only can surface when all of a sudden our lives are completely disrupted because of weather. Yeah. Back to the talent pool. North Dakota, 770,000 people, whatever we have, I'm not even sure. When when you have a a call out for talent, and I'm I'm assuming you do this with some of your partners, what is the talent pool like here? And then how often do you go well beyond the borders of North Dakota to find the talent you're specifically looking for for a piece of work? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on the piece of work, right? Uh, for example, when we're shooting a heart like water, our crew is I mean, 10 to 15, depending on the day. And, um, our director and our lead actress came from Minneapolis. Uh, but the rest of the crew was here. Uh, my, my biggest partner, uh, in the work that I do is DNN cinematics, which is a commercial production, uh, company. Uh, in downtown Bismarck, although they now have a branch in Fargo and a branch in Minneapolis too, so they're um, they're growing their team. They have uh, multiple members on their team, and they're very very talented and um, great people to to collaborate with. Um, for uh, Sanctified and End of the Rope, which are the other two features that are in post production right now, 
we brought people in. Uh, a lot of crew came from Minneapolis, but also South Dakota and uh, Montana. Um, we brought in um, acting talent from uh, from around the country, from the East Coast and the West Coast, and um, Chicago and Indianapolis, from from all around in the bigger parts. But then we also cast a lot of the supporting roles um, here in North Dakota as well. We had uh, big casting calls um, in Bismarck and then in Watford City as well uh, for uh, for End of the Rope. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it, it depends. You know, each team looks different um, based on what project it is. Different people bring b- different skill sets to the table, but there is some continuity um, to to the crews that uh, we've had, and and that's important too uh, to have partners that you can trust. So as much as you can have that continuity, it just helps. Mm. End of the rope. Can we talk about that just for a little bit, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. Which will also help me when I circle back. I'm going to ask you about balancing because you have three or four works in progress at different stages, and I just find that amazing with your schedule. End of the rope is a hard story for, and it's an important story, the, the last lynching of a person, I believe. Yes. Last lynching of a person in the state of North Dakota because of he, he butchered, he murdered a family. Mm-hmm. That is going to be, I think, um, absolutely fascinating film mm-hmm. to watch, in my personal opinion, because it's, it, it's a very unique story. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. I think, you know, I was first sent some information on it uh, by uh, a friend of um, a mutual friend uh, who knew me and who knew uh, Dennis Johnson, who is a lawyer. He passed away this past Thanksgiving, but he wrote a book called end of the rope. um, And uh, it was just a short history of the events there. And um, I got to know Dennis and got to know the story. I was, I was interested in it because um, not because I have a fascination with like crime horror films. I really, I really kind of steer away from that stuff. I don't usually watch that kind of material, but I was, I was fascinated with this story because it was true. And one of the first questions that I asked is just, well, whose story is this? Um, And how do we tell this story? There's, there's, there are of course so many ways to tell this story. And, um, the the most obvious way I think is to tell it um, in a, a kind of David Fincher uh, kind of uh, psycho. Uh, you know, our hero is um, is an antihero. It's Charles Bannon, the killer, and you know, going into the dark and twisted mind of this um, mentally diseased young man who who kills a family and then is then on the on the run and lives on the farm for a year after he committed the deed. Um, it's um, it's 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 a f- it, the the story itself asks some very difficult moral questions. Maybe I can just I, I can go into a little bit more detail about the story for the people who don't know. But the, a farmhand kills um, an entire family, two parents and four children, including a baby, 
and lives on the farm for almost a year. This is in 1931, so it's the beginning of the Great Depression, and this was in Mackenzie County, North Dakota. And so at that point, Mackenzie County was it was called the Island Empire because it was cut off on three sides by water. There was no bridge going over the river. Getting Bismarck might as well have been a thousand miles away. It was just a very isolated community. Um, most of them just a generation at most from uh from the immig- from immigration you know from coming from norway or germany and um these people uh were suddenly confronted by this horrific murder um by a, of a, a an established member of their community and then this man this young farm man 21 years old charles bannon he lives on their farm for uh a year afterwards and is just you know kind of um uh, dodging around and making up lies to justify, uh, you know, oh, they went to Oregon. Um, and people really did pack up and leave in the night uh, at that time in history because with the Great Depression, people would just go west all the time. So um, it, wasn't, it wasn't unheard of. But um, when, they, when they bodies were found, um, the community was so uh, scared by it. Um, that uh, they uh, they rose up as a group and they stormed the jail cell and took him out and threw him off a bridge with a rope around his neck. Um, and so, of course, they they did a a terrible thing there. Um, but it what was fascinating to me is just the the interesting moral questions that are raised. Um, you know, because North Dakota, a lot of them would say, well, North Dakota didn't have a death penalty at that point, and um, this person did a horrible, horrible thing, and so what is the response to that horrible, horrible thing? And it's also the question of, like, setting aside, you know, this was these were white people hanging a white guy. There, there was no um, racial uh, involvement here, um, but hanging of horse thieves in Dakota territory was not an unheard of thing. In the late 1800s, um, you read that in the Little House on the Prairie books. <laughs> Hanging is too good for horse thieves. Uh, and um, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt and the, the Marquis de Moors—they all had—they were—they were in favor of lynching horse thieves and people who who committed crimes against uh, isolated communities because they had no one to protect them um, either, other than themselves. The nearest law officers were were far far away. Um, and so, uh, I'm not saying that to justify anything, but I think it just, uh, it, the uniqueness of the situation, um, creates some really interesting moral questions, um, that I was interested in exploring with the film. Um, and not in a dark and twisted way, I think, because we didn't tell the story from the point of view of Charles Bannon. We told it from the point of view of the sheriff of the town, Sheriff C.A. Jacobson, what was his moral dilemma to be put in this situation where he has to, uh, where his friends, uh, the uh, the Haven family, they have been killed by this mentally diseased young man. And now he's in the situation where he has to defend the killer against the town even though he sympathizes with the town 
and his friends have been killed. So um, telling the telling the story from the perspective of a good man put in a very difficult moral situation was what was most important to me just from a, from the get go. I think in order to be a canticle production, um, I didn't want to make a, a very dark, twisted, and unsettling story. I think it will. It has moments of that for sure, but in in the end. I want the the films to be ennobling and um, enlightening in 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 some ways, uplifting in in their own ways, and seeing a person who's a good person striving to do the right thing, even though it's a difficult thing to do, is is it was something that was very appealing to me for for this story and for all Canticle stories. Daniel, from my perspective, and going back to, again, if it isn't the mission statement, please correct me, that honors the land, history, and people of North Dakota. That clearly does, because the, the way you just summed it up, very isolated part of the country. In fact, a lot of people up in that part of the country during those times before a bridge was built sometimes connected more to Montana, to the eastern part of Montana, because of a variety of reasons. Law enforcement, other than the local sheriff, is a long ways away. There was this horrific thing that took place. It was not uncommon in the culture of the day to handle criminals and thieves Mm -hmm. in a way that today we would say it's kind of barbaric, right? But Mm -hmm. that's what was happening then. So I I think it, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I just want you to know, Mm -hmm. I think it's a fascinating story. It, it, It tells us a lot about the rich and sometimes hard history of North Dakota. And you could make that case for a lot of places in the country, by the way. Because in the day, there were just times it was really, really difficult. Isolated, Dust Bowl, beginning of the Depression. It doesn't get more desperate for, yeah. for, for most folks. Yeah, I think when people so, know the full story, and when they see the full story in the film, it'll be, it'll be a thinker for, for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Um, and uh, without, you know, with, without even voicing my opinion about it, I think a lot of people will find it hard to, uh, to cast the first stone, <laughs> so to speak. Um, yeah. Going back to, I'm going to paraphrase how you said it, but keeping with the mission of Canticle Productions mm-hmm. and how this embraces that. What's kind of the process that you go through when you're evaluating an opportunity and say, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, I'm going to pause, or it's it's a stinker, I don't want to go there. Kind of walk me through how you do that. You know, it's funny, when people find out that uh, I had taken on End of the Rope, uh, they people started coming out of the woodwork and they were like, hey, I heard their story about this guy who killed <laughs> killed his family and then shot himself. Uh, about this drunk guy who went and shot a bunch of dogs once. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> like, that's, uh, just because I do one story doesn't mean that I have an obsession with, uh, with all the horrific murder stories that North Dakota or the great plains have to offer. <laughs> um, so, um, I think, um, uh, you know, there's, uh, 
first first off like i'm 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 always hunting for for true stories i think um true stories uh, you, you just can't argue with them because it's real it's real history um and um and you can really and there's an opportunity um to to honor the people and to honor the the real history but then also to to tell to tell these stories through a, a lens that we have now with like a greater understanding and perspective looking back um and so so i love true stories i'm always looking out for for those um beyond that point like once once i find them and, and kind of vet them um the question is you know is it a good premise and is it something that's different enough from what I've done before, I like all of the films kind of happen across the, you know, on, on, on the canvas of, uh, of North Dakota, but, um, within, you know, within that, um, there's a, there's a lot of different genres. Like a heart, like water is a, is a period pioneer drama. Um, sanctified is a old school shoot 'em up Western, uh, end of the rope is a crime thriller. Uh, set it set in the west um hazel minor is uh it's just it's, it's almost like a fairy tale I, I talk about it as cinderella set in a snowstorm because i think of it i think of cinderella as a as a reference for it um but just this beautiful coming of age story um i think um i think i'm, I'm interested in doing in telling stories that are different from uh, in some way from the other projects that I've done in the past. Um, I don't like to kind of repeat what I've been doing. Um, and I think there's a surprising amount of variety that is available within North Dakota history. Um, but then also, you know, how we're going to tell the stories. Is there an, op is there an opportunity to really say something beautiful and meaningful about the human condition through the telling of this story? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of uh, the, uh, the direction of, uh, I think a lot of modern cinema that at least in my, in my opinion, tends to kind of drag the audiences through the mud, um, and give them protagonists that are anti-heroes and that have, uh, are morally compromised and are, um, spend the spend the whole movie um doing terrible things and yet we as the audience are manipulated by good writers into sympathizing for them i feel that very much as a writer like i watch a movie and um it'll be like you know it it'll be the story of a of a really horrible human being um but uh yet there's an entire television series um that goes on for eight seasons about these these people are an entire feature film where we follow them and we're so drawn into the story. And, um, at the end of it, I just have this kind of empty feeling like, you know, that, that was a, that was a bad person. And, um, why was I rooting for that bad person <laughs> the whole time? Um, but there's, a, there's a formula, um, to, to getting the audience, um, on the side of a person, even if he uh, makes bad decisions and, and does bad things, um, Good writers understand the formula, and they can um, they can get the audience on the side of those people. Um, so I don't want to be dismissive of of uh, 
other people's work, especially when they're more talented and successful than I am. But um, I think part of what Canticle Productions can stand for is um, is representing the stories of good people trying to do the right thing. Um, and how do we make that an interesting story? I think mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, good people are boring. <laughs> uh, and that's why um, having an anti-hero as the protagonist is an attractive way to go. It's because, wow, um, wouldn't this be spiced up if you were addicted to cocaine? And uh, if you, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and um, I, I'm interested, you know, how can we make the story, for example, of Hazel Minor, who's this um, beautiful 16-year-old um, girl who's quiet and gentle. How do we tell a story about that that's gripping and suspenseful um, and sucks us in, um, even if she's not a drug mule? <laughs> by the way I'm going to go back to heart like water for just just a second a heart like water folks you, you, you have to go to that website heartlikewater.com and you have to watch this Jason what I'm going to say right now I, may, I was taking notes as I was watching it, and I said to myself, it's about 1240 into this film where something happened for the first time. And that's all I'm going to say. I, I wrote down, that's the first time that happened, 12, about 1240 into the film. And the story that was being told prior to that and then carried out through the rest of the film between the characters their their incredible ability to tell a story without saying a thing, just looking at each other, the incredible cinematography, the lay of the land of North Dakota. It is an amazing film. And then, by the way, it happened again at 2450. So at 1240, and then about another 12 minutes, 12 minutes later, it happened again. That's all I'm going to say. That, 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 that's all I'm going to say about that movie, and you have to watch it. So you're balancing. You 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 kind of put a heart like water, kind of on the shelf for now. But you're balancing end of the rope, lamentation, sanctified. How how do you do all that? And then you have the responsibilities of chair of dramatic arts at University of Mary, homeschooling five kids. How do you do all that, Daniel? I just got to be really efficient about my time. Um, I, I just got to be an absolute stickler uh, when it comes to uh, how every second of my day is used. Um, I don't have any hobbies <laughs> or any kind of leisure. Uh, I I'm with my kids and I and I do my work and I find the work fulfilling. Um, and um, and, uh, and so it keeps me it keeps me sane. I don't feel um, overburdened with it. Um, I just got to be efficient and I'll come into, I'll come into my office and I'll, I turn out the light and shut the door and I'll be just typing on my computer furiously. <laughs> um, so I can try to be three times as efficient as, uh, as I would be otherwise. You came here in 2015, you came to North Dakota from, you're in New York at Columbia. If I, if I'm wrong, please yeah. correct me. No, that's correct. 
And you came here to be involved with the University of Mary at this wonderful opportunity. At that point in time, was Canticle Productions a thing? Were, were you thinking, I'm going to be a producer, director, I'm going to be involved? How'd that happen? No, um, no, it, it wasn't. I bought a camera, a DSLR camera, before I came here because I was like, well, moving to North Dakota, I still want to stay active uh, as, an, as an actor. Um, so maybe I can start creating my own work. And when I got here, I, uh, I got to meet people very fast. I was very proactive about just making relationships and um, starting to work. And so I got here in January and we were shooting a short film by May um, that I had written and produced. I'd never written or produced anything before that. Um, but you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And, um, I, uh, I, I started with that and then I did another, um, short film the, the next year. And then Canticle Productions sort of like, uh, evolved out of those first short films. Um, and I started to realize how, uh, meaningful being a writer and a producer could be too and how empowering that is um, to be able to tell stories the way that you want to tell them it's hard as an actor because you're very much a servant of the director and the writer's vision right you stand where the director tells you to stand and you say the words that the writer puts in your mouth um, so to have an actual creative voice I'm not saying that actors do not have uh, creative uh, contributions to the to, to the films or, or theater productions. I'm an actor. And so I, I'm, uh, I'm not dismissing that, but, um, it was, uh, it was empowering for me as a creative producer to start to curate projects and be like, I mean, this is, this is the kind of story that I want my children to see. Um, the sort of story that, um, I'll be proud to show my kids. Um, and that I think is meaningful for myself and for the community that I'm living in. Uh, um, and so I'm going to devote my energies to that. Um, and so, yeah, that's where Canticle Productions was, was born. Uh, and then I started uh, just doing a lot of research. I think the way that any entrepreneur does, um, you know, what research, how can I get better at what I'm doing if I'm launching a business here? Um, how do I become a better writer and producer and how do I surround myself with people who know more than I do so I can learn from them? And, um, yeah, that's how, it, that's kind of how it grew. One question on the business side in terms of your entrepreneurial skills, and this may be one of the most important, irrespective of the vocation or the market that someone's pursuing as an entrepreneur. At some point in time, you're raising money. Every entrepreneur has to do it. Every single, because a bank is going to give it. Banks have no business investing in startups or early on entrepreneurial businesses. They have no business doing it. I, mean, I, I know that for a variety of reasons. And some people hate it when I say that, but they really don't. What? Where in your background did you have this skill set about, I have to put this business plan together, this is what it's going to cost, this is how I'm going to go about the, the, the business of raising money and making these contacts. Did you have something in your background that was a guide for you? No, nothing. 
Um, I went my I got my undergraduate degree in uh, in literature, uh, which I'm using in the writing that I do now, and then I got my master's in uh, in acting, and um, so I uh, I had no experience in fundraising. What I had was. Uh, and what I still have, I think, is just a lot of drive and a lot of passion for these stories. Um, it's very important to me. Um, and uh, I think these are beautiful stories that deserve to be told. Um, I think it's also, you know, I, I think I'm fortunate, going back to one of your questions earlier, like, is North Dakota the perfect place to be? And I feel like, yes, uh, it, it, God has given me the perfect place. Um, to to create these these films and um, because uh, these stories that mean a lot to the people here are also stories that mean a lot to me and so I'm not going to them and saying hey I want I'm not saying I, I don't mean to dismiss any genre of film right now but I'm I'm not going to make a stoner comedy right now uh, you know about some guy who lives in his basement North Dakota investors don't want to support that <laughs> I'm not going to go to them and say I'm not going to go uh, to someone and say, I'm going to make a, a slasher horror movie with lots of sex and gratuitous nudity and violence and blood and guts. Well, I'm not going to go to them with that because those aren't movies that really speak to me. And those are movies that speak to the people of, of, of North Dakota. Um, it just in, as a general statement, uh, at least with the people that I'm, that I'm speaking to. Um, and um, so making, telling stories that are, that mean something to the people here um, is uh, it's, it's, I've been fortunate that those stories just align with 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 me and when they I think when people see um, you know that uh, that I'm honest and that I that I work hard to deliver the the absolute best product that I can um, and that I'm telling a story that means something to them. And I have all, I've done my homework in terms of how this can be a financially profitable situation as well for them. And um, they'll listen. I've been I've been fortunate in that. Well, I've had the opportunity to wear a number of hats when it comes to economic development, local and well beyond. And I'm going to make this comment, and this is this is for people that might be approached by Daniel or people that should get a hold of Daniel, period. Here's why I think investing in Daniel and Canticle Productions is so important. Everything I've seen so far is a stunning piece of work. It, it's beautiful. The cinematography is un, unbelievable. The scripts are well-written. The acting is superb. But it's the storytelling that is so precious to this history of North Dakota that is meaningful to a lot of us. Whether we still live here or not, that's irrelevant. I'm on a family Zoom call uh, on Sundays, and the, the, the family members range from North Dakota to California to Texas and Florida. But they all came from North Dakota through one family member on the call. That, that, but in the history of North Dakota is important to every single one of them. Every story I have seen is worth preserving, worth sharing, and requires an investment. 
And I am just a huge supporter of Daniel and Canticle Productions because the work is phenomenal. It's beautiful. And it's as good as it gets. Daniel, what, what's the one thing? What's the one thing folks should know about you? And then what's the one thing they should know about Canticle Productions? Or just folks in general? I'm not adding any more. What's the one thing they should know? <laughs> uh, one thing they should know about me. Um, that the my goal with all the stories that I tell, with all the work that I do, um, is to to glorify God and to uh, to honor the history here and to produce work that my family my children and my wife are proud of um, that's probably um, the biggest thing for me and then Canticle Productions um, Canticle Productions is just getting started I would say that uh, there's so many amazing North Dakota stories uh, to be told and this is just the beginning I think A Heart Like Water uh, is, a, is a beautiful film um, but it's just uh, just the foot in the door, so to speak, and there'll be many, many amazing films to come. Best ways to reach out to you? Daniel at canticle-productions.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel at canticle-productions.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you just go to the website, there'll be there's a fillable form that you can always reach out to and um, Mike you've got my cell phone too so if anybody ever reaches out to you you can pass that along we'll have all of that not the cell phone on mikeseminary.com as well but if folks you want to reach out to me and I will put you in contact with Daniel when we had coffee not too long ago I was just absolutely captivated by this young man Uh, his passion for what he does his love for his his creator, the passion and love he has for his family and his kids and life and homeschools his kids. I'm just going to myself, how did this family do all this? It's just absolutely amazing. If you had a magic wand, you could wave over the heads of a potential investor. And if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to. A potential investor in Canticle Productions and Daniel, because you know they're investing in you. What's the one thing you want them to know? Well, that the stories are meaningful and the process is uh, transparent. You know, I'm always a transparent um, leader of the business. Uh, and that we have, you know, while investing in a, investing in a film, um, is not uh, is not the same as investing in real estate or or, um, or other pursuits like that. Uh, there are a lot of ways, and, and you know, even even though you know, considering investing in film is, I think, something new, especially for North Dakotans. Um, it's something that's worthwhile because it's investing in um, the history and the stories here, and it's also something that uh, an investment that can be responsibly made. Uh, because we do our homework uh, and we uh, 
do everything that we can to mitigate risks. Mm-hmm. Daniel at canticle-productions.com and the website canticle-productions.com. I'm going to say one last thing about a heart like water. There are a number of scenes in that movie that tell beautifully the incredible history of the earliest settlers of the state of North Dakota and what they endured, how they survived. And this was really well done. It tells that story just beautifully. I would encourage you to go to a heartlikewater.com and watch it. It is really compelling. Doesn't even matter, by the way, if you're not connected to North Dakota, because at some point in time in your your past, your family's history, a lot of them 120 years ago had similar conditions that they had to deal with. It, you know, if, if they weren't in New York or Philadelphia, if they were if they were anywhere in the big breadbasket in the middle, this is what they were going through. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I am just really impressed with you and your work. God bless you and your family, and I hope we can do this again sometime, follow up when you're walking on some big red carpet or something. You're just doing incredible work. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.